If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 7, the book of beginnings, the very first book in your Bible. The first of the five books of the, called the Pentateuch, which is also referred to as the law. Genesis 2, 7. Genesis 2, 7. I want to talk to you this morning about the value of life. The value of life. Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man uh, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, I want to show you something before we go too far. It says, Then God, so we know that God is doing this, he formed man from the dust of the ground, and then God breathed life into man's nostrils. So life comes from who? From God. And the life that God breathed into man, I'm glad to say, is still there today. Aren't you glad of that? Now we live in a time where many people would do almost anything for riches. They would do almost anything for power. They would do almost anything for, for money, for fame, for fortune, whatever the case may be. They, would, they will lie, they will cheat, they will steal, they'll do anything for money. Is that true? Many times it is true. Now on the positive side of that, there's moms and dads that work their fingers to the bone trying to, trying to keep the family going and trying to keep everybody in tennis shoes and in school, school supplies and things like that. So there's no doubt about it that finances and money is a very important thing in our culture today. You know, when years gone by, chickens was a valuable commodity and and beef and pork and some, some even beef is still a valuable commodity. But no matter what, how much riches we gain or how much we acquire, I don't know if there's ever been a man or a woman on the face of the earth that would not trade all that they own for a few more years of life. The value of life is far more than you'll ever make on your job. The value of life is far more than you and your wife will ever make. More than you can ever cheat somebody out of. More than you can ever lie out of. More than you can ever steal. The value of life is more than that. Mm. Even our government... In the court system, if you take someone's life, it used to be this way. I'm not sure if it's this way so much anymore. But it used to be that if you took somebody's life, you paid the ultimate price with your own life. That's the way it was. Life had a value. Life had an importance. I mentioned last week that our lives are so incredibly short. And I mentioned in James 4.14, and I'll mention that here in a little bit. But in Psalms 
David tells us, he says, he asks the Lord, he says, teach us to realize the briefity of life. Teach us, oh Lord, he says, the briefity of life. And then he says, so that we may grow in wisdom. Because see, the danger for each and every one of us is for us to waste our lives on things that don't matter. To waste our lives on, on riches and valuable things and put souls and lives and babies' lives and young people's lives on the back burner. Sometimes we feel like it's far more important to go to work on Monday through Friday and buy things for our children than it is to bring them to church on Sunday. Well, let's see, as I was reading and studying, and this isn't even uh, really part of my sermon, but I was just looking in, in uh, Genesis 1 there, and it says, on the seventh day, God rested, and he sanctified it, and he made it holy. So if somebody ever wants to know what's so special about Sunday, I will tell you. It is the only day that God sanctified and made holy. And that's what's so special about Sunday. Not to mention it's one of the Ten Commandments. So David tells us here, he says, teach us to realize the briefity of life so that we may grow in wisdom, contemplating what we do throughout the day so that we can make sure that we're getting the most out of our life and we're not wasting our life. Like I said, I mentioned last week, James 4.14 says, what is life but a mist that's here for a little while and then it's gone and I had that spray can and I sprayed it and, and it would come out and it'd be there for just a moment and just a, there's not even a breeze in here, but I would spray that can and it would just evaporate. It wouldn't take four or five seconds for it to be completely gone. In Psalms 39, 5, David puts it another way. He says, David says, speaking to God, he says, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. How incredible is that? My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is just a breath. On our best day, we're just a breath. After 95 years, we're just a breath. After 90 years, we're just a breath. Mm. So the value of life, so what is it? God tells us what it is. God shows us what it is. The Supreme Court, you know, like I said, in law, you know, they, they try to show us the importance of life. So what is the value of life? Well, man has put its spin on it for, for centuries. I'm sure you have heard, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. We've all heard that one. Pastor Mark used to talk about Frank Sinatra and he did it his way, right? Forget about God, Frank Sinatra done it his way. 
And then now, of course, now it's the, now, you know, the life is determined as, I can't help it, I was born this way. But see, here's the problem with that ideology. It downgrades the sanctity of life. When we have that doing it my way or eat, drink, and be merry, it undermines the very truth of God's word. It undermines that there is a heaven and a hell and that each and every one of us is going to spend our eternity one place or another, either in heaven or hell. It almost makes fun of the truths in God's word. It scoffs at the idea of eternal life and heaven and hell that God himself has given us this precious gift of life himself. The very breath that you have today came from God himself. And we should cherish that. Our culture is moving in a direction that continually downgrades life. I wish it wasn't so. Hundreds are killed on the streets of Chicago every single year, and there's no outcry. Just business as normal. Everything's good in Illinois. No problem at all. And I I don't know all the statistics, and I'm not going to bore you with all of them, but I will tell you that in the first 10 days of 2016, 110 people were shot and 17 were killed in the first 10 days of 2016. I could go on and on and tell you all kinds of frightening statistics. There have been more people killed on the streets of Chicago than there has in the foreign war this year. The value of human life is not that big a deal. Just young people on the streets. It's not that big a deal. You know, in, in inner cities and stuff, you know, a lot of black people and uh, Hispanics and whatever, maybe a few white people. It's not that big a deal. Well, I'll tell you, it is a big deal to God. It is a big deal. And that's one of the things we've got to take a stand for. Is life means something because it came from God himself. Oh, I might have to get out my soapbox. You guys hit it from me, didn't you? <clears throat> no, if I wanted one, I'd find one, I'll tell you. But it's the direction our society, our culture is moving in. I'll tell you what's surprising. No, actually, this is not surprising. It really does not surprise me that a mainstream political party supports, openly supports, partial birth abortion. That doesn't surprise me. Now, I, I, I don't want to get too graphic this morning, but I want you to think about, to think, say that in your mind. Partial, you don't have to say it out loud, but say it in your mind. If you don't know what it is, just think it in your mind. Partial birth abortion. Now, it does not surprise me that this is part of a political agenda 
in the United States. This is a free country. It don't surprise me that there are people for pushing for that. Now here's what surprises me. Is that same political party has been in office the last eight years. And bar a miracle, it'll be in, it'll be in office the next four years. And they openly tell you they're for partial birth abortion. They openly tell you that. The value of life. A newborn baby. All, all thrown away for convenience. Oh. Man. I think God cries when he sees that. Now let me tell you what does surprise me. It don't surprise me that they push that. It's a free country. What surprises me is the millions of Christians in America that let it happen. That's what surprises me. This election is not about an individual. If you don't know that, you, you need to double check. It is not about an individual. It's about life and death. It's about open borders or closed borders. And I hear people say, eh, what's the big deal about open and closed borders? Let me tell you. Do you lock your doors at night? Absolutely you do. Well, here's the problem. Do you know that the United States of America is the largest country in human sex trafficking? Because people can come and go across our borders with these young girls and young men anytime they want. How many little girls you want? How many little boys you want? How much money you got? All because we can't close our borders. Now you tell me that's a political issue. That is a moral issue. What about, yeah. Well, the borders aren't that big a deal. No. No, not if you like, you know, not, not if you think uh, drug addicts, you know, young children on drugs everywhere. Not if you think that's okay. The billions of dollars that flow across the, the unsecured border, unhindered. Yeah, they catch a few. They catch a few. You know, the, the drug cartels, they're not worried about a, a few that they catch. Because 90% of it gets across. They don't care about that few that they catch. You know what? You know what? Years ago, it was all in the inner city, wasn't it? All the drugs, all the drug addicts, everything was in the inner city. It's not no more. You know where it's at? It's in Cincinnati, it's in Wayne City, it's in Florida, it's in Fairfield, Mount Vernon, Centralia, Salem. It's everywhere. You know what? I'll just go one step farther. I just bet that there is not a person sitting here if you went very far across your family tree that somebody hasn't had a problem with drugs. I bet. There might be two or three, but there's not going to be very many. Because it's everywhere. Why am I telling you all this? Because life is precious and life is valuable. Yeah. <clears throat> 
That's why we're having judgment house. It's not because we didn't have anything else to do. It's not because we wanted to have a potluck dinner. It's not because we didn't have enough to do here at the church. That's not it at all. It's not because the volunteers got laid off for a month. So we thought, well, we'll just put them to work here. That's not it at all. We did it because life is valuable. Eternity is real. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Life is valuable. You see, all these things treat precious lives and souls like a hunk of meat. Whether it's the sex trafficking or abortion or whether it's the drugs or just a plain old wasted life. Each and every one of you and each and every one of your children and your grandchildren and your moms and dads, everybody that you know is important. And God wants every one of them to go to heaven. Now you might be saying right now, you know, my, my life's not worth nothing. Some, so you might be saying that right now. My life's not worth nothing. You might be saying I've wasted my whole life. God can't use me. God doesn't love me. Well, I'll tell you right now, he can. He does love you. You do have worth. He does have plans for you. And he wants you to be one of his children. I can prove that. You want me to prove it? Almost in any culture around the world today, The way you determine the value of something is by what someone will give for it. Whether it's a home or whether it's a car, no matter what it is, even a Beanie Baby. You guys remember when Beanie Babies used to be expensive? Not so much anymore. But there was a time where they were. And what determined their worth was just strictly on what someone would give for it. Well, see, we can determine our worth. You can determine your worth by what God paid for you. See, here, here very simply, here, here's the scenario. We live in a fallen world. And when you was born into this world, you was born into a world of sin. We all were. So we were all born into sin, so we are all sinners. That's why we all need a Savior. But God says, I have a way. They are worth it. They have value. Their lives are worth me giving my son to buy them. God says, I'm going to buy them back. And no, he didn't give a nickel or a quarter or or a, or a pot of gold. He gave his most prized possession, his son, Jesus. He said, I know they're sinners. I know they're done wrong. I know they're going to make mistakes. I know that they'll be in a mess. But then God 
says in his mind, but I know what they can become. They can become children of mine. They can become my loving children. And because he's seen what we could become, he sent his son Jesus to die on this cross and he thought that was a good deal because you are worth so much. Life and death, heaven and hell, it doesn't depend on God no more. God has determined that your life has value. That's already determined. He determined that when he sent Jesus to the cross and he died upon the cross. God determined your value then. It's all taken care of. Jesus is not going to come to the cross again. It was done once and for all. And what that means is, is now the decision is in your court. Now the decision is up to you. Whether you'll live in heaven or whether you'll live in hell. Jesus has bought and paid for eternity for everyone that will choose to receive him. And even for those that haven't, but they won't be able to receive it. I got a story I want to close with. The value of life. In closing, I want to share this, this story. There was an older gentleman, a wise man, that would hang around the small village's square. And he would hang out at the square every day and individuals would come to him and they would ask him questions and he was full of the word of God and he was full of wisdom. And they would ask him questions and he would answer them correctly. And everybody would marvel at how wise he was. But there was a young man that was prideful and arrogant. Well, he didn't like the old man. He kind of had a chip on his shoulder. And he says, I'm going to fix that old man. He says, I'm going I'm to prove him that he don't know everything. And the, and, and the, and the, the young man, the little boy, what he did, he said, I'm going I'm to catch a bird. And I'm going to hold that bird in my hand. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to hold that bird in such a way that his tail's just barely going to stick out so the old man will see his tail. And I'm going to ask the old man, what, old man, what's in my hand? And of course, the old man will see the bird there and the old man will say, well, if, obviously it's a bird. And then he's going to ask the old man, is it dead or is it alive? And he says, if the, if the old man says it's dead, I'm going to open it up and show him it's alive. But if the old man says it's alive, I'm going to kill it and show him that it's dead. And either way, he'll be wrong. So the, 
Boy, he had his plan all figured out. He had his bird. He knew what he was going to say. He knew what the old man was going to say. So he had his bird and he went to the old man. Hey, old man, what do I have in my hand? Wise man said, well, it's a bird that you have in your hand. The young man conceded that. Yep. Then the young man said, is it alive or is it dead? Just waiting for the old man to answer. Is it alive or is it dead? The boy was just waiting. And the wise old man stood up and walked and patted him on the back and said, well, young man, that depends on you. And that's the way our, our eternity is. God has done everything that he's going to do. He sent his most precious gift, Jesus Christ, to show you what you're worth. And our eternity is up to us. If we will receive that eternal life or if we will not. Bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, we do worship you and we praise you today, Father, for all of your love and for all of your mercy and all of your grace. Father, I just praise you and I worship you. Father, right now I just pray if there's anyone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that their hearts will be open, their mind will be open toward you, and they'll see the need for a Savior. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.